charged in religious honor killings. But then late this afternoon, Florence County, South Carolina, emergency management. The sigh of relief through police efforts. There's been a 43-month-old. The day before the shooting, Crystal Holcomb bragged on Facebook water. Striking with little to no warning. Some homes, all I hear was shots. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And we're just sitting on the floor. And we're just In close proximity to their mother, Watts was fired Wednesday. The same struggled to contain the crowd with tear gas. Two of their cruisers set ablaze. The city's met Stevens. On his Facebook page, which has been taken offline, Stevens claims to have killed up to 50. It's sickening, you know, it makes you wonder what would make individuals treat somebody like that. Well, good morning, my beautiful family. What is happening? What's going on? You look around our world, and it's so wicked. It's, it's like people are inventing new ways for evil. What, what's going on? And is there any hope? Is there any hope that things could get better? And what would that even look like? I was, I was talking to a friend this past week. And we were just talking about the different things that happen in our world and, and what God must think that, that we're aborting millions of babies. Like what God must feel about that. And, and then this friend of mine, he, he brought something to my attention. He's like, Pastor Matt, are you aware of this? Are you aware that there are YouTube channels for people that like to have sex with children? What's going on? My beautiful family. We're starting a new series, a walk through Romans. And this book, this book is, is so precious to me. It is my favorite book of the Bible, Joe. And I'll share a little bit later on wh exactly why. But I, I thought this favorite book, this book that has meant so much to me over my life, before, Jessica, before we just jump in and just start, start dissecting it and, and looking into it, that it is really, really important that we understand a few things before we do that. It's important that we understand the author that we know who wrote it, who dictated the author. It's important that we understand the audience that it was originally written to. And it's important for us that we understand the application, the author, the audience, and the application. What's going on in our world? And so I want to start this message off by asking you a question, family, that I want you to think about. And you notice I didn't give you any notes this morning because it's just going to be us here this morning, okay? Us here talking. 
I want you to get this picture in your mind. When I say religious terrorist, what thoughts come into your mind? Religious terrorist. Who do you see? What religion or religions come into your mind? What do those people look like? How do religious terrorists act and behave? Do you have a picture of what a religious terrorist is in your mind? Do you have it there? I want to tell you about first the three A's, author, audience, and application. I want to first talk to you about the author of the book, The Letter to the Church in Rome. And I want to talk to you about a man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, where he was from. And I want to talk to you a little bit about his life for just a few minutes. This boy, Saul, was born to two Jewish parents who had the luxury of having Roman citizenship. That was a luxury to be an official citizen of Rome. And so Paul was born to Jude, or Saul was born to two Jewish parents who had Roman citizenship and he had this incredible privilege. He got to sit at the feet of Rabbi Gamaliel. Now, Rabbi Gamaliel was this famous Jewish rabbi who absolutely knew the Hebrew scriptures. This guy could break it down for you. And so Saul got to sit at his feet and learn all of the Jewish ways and all of the traditions and become an expert. Judaism. So that by the time Christ came along and there were people proclaiming their allegiance to Jesus the Christ, Saul was a self-professed persecutor of people in the way. They weren't called Christians right away. They were called people in the way or of the way. These followers of Jesus. And so Saul made it his personal mission that he was going to stamp out Christianity before it could spread all over the world. Saul was a religious terrorist. This new way, these Christians threatened the Jewish ways. And so we're told in the word of God that Saul ravaged the church. And I need to paint for you a picture, family, because it's important before we jump into the book of Romans, it's important that you understand the full context Saul persecuted the church. He would go into people's homes and drag them out so that they could be arrested. He made it his personal mission to destroy Christianity. 
His fame spread throughout the land, so much so that when you said the name Saul of Tarsus, Christians knew that they should shudder because he would persecute them with every fiber of his being. And so he was going from town to town and village to village. And he believed in his heart that he was on a mission from God. I will stamp out. I will destroy these Christians. So he heard there were some Christians gathering in Damascus. And so he went through the work of getting the right papers so that he could travel to Damascus and interrupt these meetings and arrest them and drag them back to Jerusalem and throw them all in jail. Every bit, family, get this. Every bit, the picture of a religious terrorist. He did not want Christianity to exist. So on his way to Damascus, he is suddenly overtaken by this incredible, literally blinding light. And he hears this voice, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, whoa, <laughs> who, who, who are you? Like, what, what? So he's struck blind instantly, family, and he hears this voice, and it's like, who are you, Lord? Like, I, I don't even know who this is. Talk. He has a one-on-one -on -one powerful encounter with the risen Jesus Christ who says, I want you to get up, and I want you go to this guy's house. And so he gets up, now blinded, and his traveling companions help him. And we're told for the next three days, Joy, he prays. And the Lord sent a prophet to go to Saul and to lay hands on him. And suddenly his sight was restored we're told in the word of God that he became a believer in Jesus Christ. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. And suddenly this man who had persecuted the church like no other up until that point suddenly became the chief proponent of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so why is this important? Family, it is important that you get this. Saul changed his name to Paul when he became a Christian. And it's important that you understand from his life that you can sincerely and honestly believe something and be absolutely wrong. You can sincerely believe things about God and believe things about yourself and believe things about others and honestly believe it, but be completely and totally wrong. And so what I need for you to do, family, as we begin making our way through the book of Romans, 
is that we do like Paul did. When Paul talks about being patient and kind, when, t- when Paul talks about being humble, do you see where he's coming from? And so I'm asking you to open your hearts and open your minds that there possibly could be some things that you believe about God or that you believe about yourself, or that you think you know about this one or that one, I'm asking you to just be open to the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a very powerful and profound way, that you will approach the book of Romans with humility. The author was a religious terrorist. Until he met Jesus. What about the audience? Paul didn't start the church in Rome. No apostle did. It is widely believed that after the day of Pentecost, that these Jewish converts to Christianity went back to Rome and started this church there in Rome. And so it's important that you get the audience. There's something for us to learn from the audience, Phil, at this church in Rome. So this church would have had Jewish converts to Christianity, people who their entire life, their parents, their grandparents were Jews, their parents were Jews, they were raised in the Jewish tradition. And now, having an encounter with Jesus Christ, they decided, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And so this church would have had Jewish converts in it. It also would have had Gentiles. And you need to know that Gentiles is anybody who's not a Jew, okay? So this church would have had filthy Gentiles who were doing, oh my goodness, you guys, doing and living in all kind, all manner of sin. I mean, they were a mess. And so you would have had these non-Jewish people, these Gentiles, who knew nothing about Judaism, decide and come to being led by the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And so this church in Rome would have had former practicing Jews who now say Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And it would have had Gentiles who stopped worshiping idols and stopped, you know, doing all this weird stuff and gave their life to Jesus. Two completely separate groups who didn't mix and who didn't mingle. Paul thought, I better write a letter to this church because this church is not full of people who all look the same. And it's not full of people who all think the same. And there's a mix here of people. Look around here. (laughs) And so Paul thought, I better write a book that is so rich 
in doctrine that is. So there are many Bible scholars, family, that believe if all we had was the book of Romans, that would be enough to cause us to want to follow Jesus. It is so powerful and it is so rich, but we learn from the audience that it is possible for us to get over ourselves. It is possible for us to gather together with different ideas and different ways of doing things and even different beliefs and come together and worship the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Because family, there are more things that unite us than divide us. I'm not here and I don't care what you're wearing, although you guys look pretty sharp, I gotta tell you. I don't care how you vote, it's none of my business. What I care about is the reason we gather here together because we're united. We all believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Most High God. And so we learn from the author family that you can be absolutely wrong. You can be on the wrong side of things. Saul was just doing what he was raised to follow the Jewish faith. He was, but he started persecuting He actually positioned himself against the plan of God. You can sincerely believe something and be wrong. And we learn from the audience, Ron, (laughs) I'm black and you're white, but you're every bit my brother than my brother. Yeah. We can come from different backgrounds and different things, but Ken, aren't you glad that God looks at you and God looks at me and God says, there is no difference. I don't play favorites. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. You, I just love everybody. Everybody has access because of what my son did. Everybody. Yeah. The author the audience, and finally the application family. But why should you care about a letter that was written centuries ago? You know, what am I doing up here walking around and spitting? You guys know how the spit flies. Like, you know, like, what are we doing gathered here looking at this book, this letter that was not written to us, Matt, it wasn't personally written. Dear Matthew Hawk, why should you care? Like, what, what are we doing here looking at these writings that, I mean, does it even matter, Carol? I mean, are, are, do these things, are they relevant for all of the wickedness that we see going on in this world? What are we doing looking at this ancient writing? matter? Can it change anything? Can it affect anything that's going on? Why do we care about this letter not written to us? I told you at the jump, family, that this book of the Bible is my favorite. And the reason that is is because from the age of 15 to 
to about the age of 23, I was hopelessly addicted to pornography. David, do you know it got so bad that I stopped flying on airplanes because I couldn't trust myself to be in airports and not get a nasty magazine? It got that bad. I was hiding it and leading worship in college. You know, Annette, just that typical, as long as everything looks good on the outside, it doesn't matter who I am privately. You know, that typical thing. So I went through the motions of going to church and leading worship and even telling people, Don, about Jesus and how much I love Jesus. But I knew the truth, but I didn't internalize it as truth. So it didn't produce change in me. Not until I got into the book of Romans. And I know now that it was the Holy Spirit that led me to the book of Romans. And do you guys know this? That I read nothing in the Bible for six years except for the book of Romans. And that might be because I have such a thick skull and it takes a while for things to get in. For six years, I only read from this book. But I'm here to tell you, that the Holy Spirit through that letter that was written hundreds of, hundreds of years ago, that the word of God in the letter that Paul wrote to Rome is the reason that I stand on this stage proclaiming whom the sun sets free is free indeed. My life was transformed by this book. And what I'm believing today, family, is that whatever you're struggling with, whatever lies you have believed about yourself, glory to the name of Jesus. Whatever lies the enemy has been able to trick you into believing that you are or that you're not, that as we make our way through this book, you will find yourself breaking free from that garbage. You will find yourself immersed in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you too can stand and say, look what the Lord has done in my life, that you'll understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. It is life-changing, and it's not just for this one or for that one. The gospel of Jesus Christ will transform your life if you'll just surrender to it. Why does it matter? Look around. This world isn't getting any better, is it? And what Paul did in such a profound and powerful way was write this letter talking about how he used to be a mess. Talking about how you, you want to see the biggest sinner in the world? Look at me, that's what Paul said. As we make our way through, it's important that you understand that that's how he thought of himself. 
He looked back over all the people that he had had arrested, and he looked back over how absolutely he ravaged the church. But he says, thanks be to God that this gospel came to him when it did. That Jesus looked beyond his faults, looked beyond his failures, looked beyond his wrong thinking and said, Saul, I want you, boy. I got plans for you. And it's my prayer that you'll hear the Holy Spirit saying that to you. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, that you'll be convinced that your darkest secret and your biggest failure, that as we make our way through the book of Romans and you hear him say, nothing can separate you from the love of God, that you'll be like, yeah, baby, that's for me, that's for me. Yeah. That you'll look at your neighbor and as you're making your way out of this building and we're walking down the hall and they're with, with people who think differently than we do and, and look differently. We, I am so glad. I am so glad that everybody's not like me, dear Lord. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad when I look around this room that I see all different kinds of people coming together because we're convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for this world. It's my prayer that this book will come alive, not just for you, but in you. So family, what is it that maybe you've been believing wrong? What things has the enemy been able to convince you that, no, no, that's who you are? Well, I mean, I know I did that, but oh, oh no, that's who you are. That's, that's you. That's the label you're going to wear for the rest of your life. What is it maybe? Is there a possibility that the enemy has been able to distort your view of God? Is there a possibility that there are some things that, you're, that you think about God that can't be backed up in scripture? Like that can't be like, okay, I think this about God even though I don't see it anywhere in the Bible. It's my prayer that you'll see how those ancient writings can transform your life today. And so over the next several weeks, we're gonna gather together and we're going to make our way through the writings of a former religious terrorist. We are. We're going to make our way through the writings of a man 
who had to speak both to Jew and Gentile. Who had to to speak to the Jews and, and let the Jews know that God is not a man that he should lie, that he will be faithful to every single promise that he made the Jews. He had this letter had to, to encourage the Jewish believers that God hadn't forgotten about them, that God is not saying throw the law away, but that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He had to speak to Gentiles who absolutely had no clue what the law is or had no, no, no clue on the rules and how you follow God. Had no idea. He had to speak to them in a way that didn't make them feel stupid and didn't make them feel less than because they weren't Jewish. We're going to learn a lot together, my family, over the next several weeks. But it's my prayer and my desire that you will hear the truth, you will know the truth, and that you will live in truth. We're in for an adventurous ride, family. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Jesus. Can everybody just say that name? Can you just say Jesus? There's power and there's authority in that name. He knows every dream and every aspiration that we have in our heart and more than just know he knows exactly how to make those things come into fruition in our lives Jesus it's our prayer that people see you in us that as we go about our jobs and we go through life as a farmer or as a teacher or as a politician or a police officer or what, as a mom and as a dad and a husband and a wife that we'll just move through life with this profound understanding. If God is for me, who can be against me? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you for the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Thank you that it matters today, that it's alive and it's active and will transform us if we'll just live the way it says to live. We invite your presence to be here always. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, Maybe you're here or you're watching and you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And I know a message like today, I haven't done a whole bunch of talking about who Jesus is. And so maybe you're here or you're watching and you're like, man, I'm, I'm not really ready yet to, to be a Christ follower, but you've piqued my interest. Or maybe you've been watching for a while or you used to follow Jesus or you've been here and, and you've heard different messages and different things and you're like, yes, okay, now I'm ready. Today is the day. Well, I want you to know that God is ready to receive you just as you are. And so I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna invite you to say this prayer after me. And if you're not ready today, that's okay. Just keep watching, just keep coming back. But if you are ready, if you would say this prayer after me, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask you right now to come into my life, 
take away my sin. Take away my wrong thinking. From now on, Jesus, I'm all yours. In your powerful name I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the word of God. Amen. Thank God for the word of God. Yes, this was so good today. How many of us can relate believing, sincerely believing you're doing the right thing while you're doing the wrong thing? I was needing, I was wanting to find a little illustration to bring this. So I asked my wife for an illustration of a time when I was completely wrong, believing I was right. And she was like, the reason why you can't find the illustration is because you've never been wrong. Just, no, that did not happen. That did not happen. But seriously, that happens all the time. And it's like the Apostle Paul, he had to get the, the light of Jesus. Jesus himself and the light had to throw him off his horse for him to see the truth. And that's what we all need. And I want to challenge you this morning to surrender. Allow yourself, allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to shine the light of truth in whatever area don't even tell God what area okay God shine the light on this area allow him to just have complete it's open Lord look find in me search me oh Lord and that the light will shine and then darkness is gonna go away and you get the truth and then you start living the truth that was a time that I I thought that if you just believe but you're sincere about it. You, you just, you don't know better or whatever the case. Oh, God just looks at the heart and it's okay. Well, the reason why it's important for us to believe right is because when we believe right, we live right. And that's important that we're transformed. And we are all on this journey. Every one of us, we're all getting better. Amen. Getting better. Believing better, changing the way we think and see God and see ourselves and see others and see how our relationship all come together. And that's a beautiful thing. Amen. Would you all stand up? Didn't you enjoy an awesome worship this morning? Awesome worship. The presence of God was so real here. Just such a great time. And then a message that's inspiring. It's transforming. Just such a great time. And then you get to come. You get to serve with other, other people. You get to meet other people that you know. And this wasn't just a day. Come back next week. We're going to do it again. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss this series. So be here next week. Until then, have a great time. Love you all. God bless.